This is the King's Court on Arena Sportsnet, presented by American Grappler. I've got more swagger than Mick Jagger, more sex appeal than Vince Neil. All guests from all walks of life share their time with the King of Connecticut. They are dreaming of just one night, just one night with a man such as myself. Any and everything goes. I am the king of Connecticut. I was raised with class and sophistication. And now, from Norwalk, Connecticut, weighing in at 230 pounds, if George Clooney had muscles, they'd call him the king of Connecticut. The one, the only, Matt Granite. It is the pernicious purveyor of preposterous pomposity, manipulating the minuscule mind of the masses of miscreants. I am your host, the King of Connecticut, the suntan superman, Max Granahan, along with the incomparable golden voice of Chicago himself, the snowman, Brian Snow. Brian, are you there? I am right here, my friend. Great to be back. Yes, and this is going to be for Season 3. As you're listening to this, I just finished a fundraising event back home in Connecticut, and I want to give a couple of thank yous. Uh, This was an event that benefited my old wrestling team in Norwalk, Connecticut, uh, Norwalk High School Wrestling. I was contacted by... Uh, my old coach from years ago, Coach Anderson, and uh, Spiro Papacosmos, one of my old teammates, about doing this thing, and we put it all together, and I want to thank Dan Severn and Nick Cara, um, who uh, were with Global, or I'm sorry, not Global, but Gladiator Championship Wrestling, who put this thing together, and had a blast. We raised some money for the mats. They've had the same mats for 40 years. Um, and also renovating the room. And anybody who knows about wrestling mats, wrestling mats are very, very expensive. And uh, Dan Severn was on the card a match before me, and I was in the main event against a guy from Ring of Honor, uh, Chase Brown, Cauliflower Chase Brown, who was, uh, who was also had a stellar amateur wrestler and did this thing for free uh, because of it benefiting amateur wrestling it had an absolute blast up there it was it was we put on a show and i cannot say enough about chase brown he is phenomenal phenomenal performer who put on a great show i haven't been back in my hometown in nearly 10 years had so many folks come out and we raised a lot of money for norwalk wrestling it was it was, it was a lot of fun got a similar event coming up the first weekend in august at emerald high school in greenwood south carolina for my good buddy, uh, Carolina Combat Academy owner, Matt Perkle, who is also the wrestling coach there at Emerald High School. Got the uh, New York Badass, Phil Baroni, and the American Psycho, Stephen Bonner, coming uh, up to a uh, main event on the show. And they're going to actually main event against Cody Perkle's sons, a couple of stud wrestlers from Emerald High School, in the professional wrestling ring, no less. So professional wrestling, benefiting amateur wrestling, uh, and I just talked earlier to Stefan Bonner and Phil Baroni, and they are so excited 
Stefan is pumped about getting into the, the pro wrestling. And Brian, as you know, I got Phil into that a couple of years ago, and he's yeah. had a lot of fun with it. Oh, yeah. Stefan Byer is a UFC Hall of Famer, which segues into our guest, and I am pumped about this guest. He is also a UFC Hall of Famer. He is a UFC welterweight champion, a UFC 16 welterweight tournament winner. He designed the Militich Fighting Systems, which is the most successful camp in the history of the Ultimate Fighting Championships. And he's also a fantastic color commentator for Strike Off, or Strike Force rather, on Showtime and NBC. And he's currently the color commentator for Axis TV. And I also want to mention that he was awarded the George Tregas Award by our friends Kyle Klingman and Matt Chapman at the Dan Gable Hall of Fame and Museum. And he's a Freemason. He's a free thinker, a very intelligent guy. He currently hosts a show that I've really enjoyed listening to called Conspiracy Farm. We are welcome to the King's Court, the one and only, the Croatian sensation, Pat Militich. How are you doing, Pat? I'm doing great. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me. Thank you for coming on. We actually reached out to Jeffrey, who's your co-host, and want to thank him. Uh, he was going to be on the show as well, but he had a prior engagement. I want to thank him for putting us together. And before we get started, I want to say thoughts and prayers to the family of Matt Hughes, a man who is uh, synonymous, obviously, with the military fighting systems. And uh, folks may not know, may or may not know, but Matt was involved in an accident involving uh, a train uh, a couple weeks ago. And in doing research for the show, I heard one of your interviews, Pat, where you, you talked about his, uh, um, his status uh, and, and how is uh, Matt doing? You know, I, I believe he's doing, you know, I, I don't believe he's awake yet, but I believe he's physically doing better. He's improving, you know, and that's important, you know, at this point that, that he's physically getting better and healing. Um, you know, it's obviously, you know, it's the truck he was in driving, got hit by a train going almost 50 miles an hour. So, you know, uh, not a whole lot of people survive a situation like that. And uh, he has. And, you know, if anybody's going to survive a, a collision with a train, it's that guy. And, and so, you know, everybody's – they're doing a prayer vigil, actually, tonight at 7 p.m. Central Time um, down, down there near where Matt lives. And, you know, people keep in mind that would be 8 Eastern Time. And, uh, you know, everybody around 7 – 7 p.m. Central Time. Remember to just say a say a quick prayer for Matt and send good vibrations toward him, and, and uh, hopefully the power of prayer and sending those good vibes will heal him up some more. You know. Absolutely, I believe strongly in the power of prayer, as I know Brian does as well, and we will be Indeed. praying for for Matt. Um, I I got uh, the opportunity to meet Matt briefly many years ago at the NRA convention in Charlotte, uh, and uh, a great guy. And obviously, uh, we want to extend our thoughts and prayers to him and his family. And I want to focus a lot on your new show. Before we get into your new show, Pat, I want to make sure to give a few shout-outs to some folks that I mentioned uh, were, that you were coming on the court. Uh, I actually trained years ago at a military fighting system gym uh, out in uh, Austin, Texas, I was roommates at the time with uh, Kamal Shalarus, who's uh, 
who's one of my best friends. And actually, the way I ended up doing this show um, is a funny story. I, it involves uh, Kamal and a little prank that we pulled on Brian here uh, a couple years ago. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and Brian can tell you about that, but we, we had some fun with him when Kamal was a guest. I, I kind of hung on the line. And, Brian, you want to tell him what we did? Because really, it deserves retelling. It was, it was pretty funny. These two pulled a fast one on me live on my morning show. They pulled a great They pulled a great rib on me. They had an exchange back and forth, and I couldn't stop laughing. These, the, those, those two are great, and I had so much fun with these guys. And basically, so they were doing some. They were doing some theatrical acting, were they? <laughs> they, like I said, they pulled a rib on me. All right. 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 Had no clue I was on None. the line. I, I was on during his uh, during his interview with Kamal, and then. I came on there with a with a strong southern uh, twang yep. um, as a uh, as a caller, and I and I said, "Listen, hey, are you a ram? I seen you on the TV, and I could whoop your ass, son." And uh, we kind of took it from there. I was, when he when when Matt first broke out with that accent, and then Kamal and then Kamal responded, and off to the races they went. I was just in the floor. Cracking up, laughing. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so we had we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun on this show, but we also covered you know some serious topics. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, Kamal um, spoke to Kamal um, the other day, and he said to definitely say hello to you. He's he says uh, to the greatest things about you, uh, and I've never had opportunity to meet you meet you in person, but I hear, I've heard uh, heard so many great things about you over the years. Eh, Kamal's, Kamal's a cool dude, man. He really is. And I tell you what, you talk about a great wrestler. Holy God. That guy's a monster. Oh, yeah. And he's a great clinician, too. Great coach. Um, when we were there, I don't know if you – I'm sure you remember because it was, a, it was your, your gym. It was a gym called CTC Competitive uh, Training Center out in Austin. Yeah, they had, they had, some, they had some tough guys down there. Yeah, yeah, and that was where that was where I first met Kamal, and that's when I became roommates with him. I was a divisional director for a, a brewing company, and I was still in South Carolina, but I had moved out there, and I used to train with Kamal um, every day I was in town. And what a phenomenal wrestler! And we don't we don't do freestyle here, you know. Obviously, they take some weeds, folks that aren't uh, don't know about amateur wrestling, but we roll up with folk style, and Kamal was just such phenomenal uh, clinician and, and coach. In, in freestyle, uh, and, and he can incorporate it into uh, into MMA uh, effectively um, as well. And just a great guy too. Um, still one of my best friends. Saw him, uh, got a chance to hang out with him on the way back from Connecticut when I was just up there for this fundraiser. He's actually living in Virginia now, and uh, he's doing really well. Um, he's uh, he's buying and uh, remodeling and reselling homes uh, up there. Um, and uh, he has his own show as well. I was his first guest. It's called Fighters Drinking Coffee, and he hosts it at a school called Nova MMA with Scott Dance and, and Michael Sutherland. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, so he's been doing really well. Now that one. So did uh, did 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 Kamal ever launch you with his single leg that he turns into the crotch lift and launches oh, people? Oh God, yeah. I actually have a, I actually have a video. 
with him, I actually have a video of us wrestling. And I think it might, I might still have it, where he, where he did that one where he, where yeah, he gets the single leg, and I, and I'm, I'm about probably eighty pounds, eighty ninety pounds heavier than him, and he got me up, and he, he just tossed me like a sack of potatoes. Yeah, he times, he times people's jumps when they're balancing on one foot, and w when you jump up is when he hits it, which assists him a little bit. And it's sending you airborne so you earn your wings. He did that to a couple of really good wrestlers at my gym. And they looked at me and went, what the hell? <laughs> 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 it's, it's, it's phenomenal. Like, he's, and, and, you know, the fact, the thing with Kamal is um, he's he's so strong now for, in, for his size. Like, you see the way, the way that he timed it. But he's also so tactical. Uh, I think he... Yeah. You know, just a phenomenal wrestler. Yeah, and I mean, have you ever, you obviously seen him do his gymnastics? Uh, oh yeah. Warm up. Holy, I mean, that's that's impressive stuff. I mean, we warmed up, but nothing like that. His warm ups are awesome. I, we, we've been doing clinics together for several years, and he the warm up that he does is too much for a lot of guys at these at a lot of these MMA schools. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a gymnastics warm-up, a lot of tumbling and stuff like that. That the uh, I believe the United States wrestling team does all that stuff now and has for years uh, because of the influence of the Russians and the Iranians. Oh yeah, and and, re and gymnastics lends itself to wrestling. So a lot of people don't realize Mark Schultz didn't start wrestling until I think he was in eleventh grade, but he was a champion gymnast um, prior to yeah. that. That helps a little bit. Gymnasts are freak athletes. Yeah, my my daughter's big into gymnastics, and you talk okay. about strength. She's been doing it since she was she's been doing it since she was a kid, and she just turned sixteen. And the power the, she has such powerful legs. You don't get that power. I don't care how many you know, squats people do once they get into maturity. They, they do gymnastics growing up have the strongest base, the strongest legs. Yeah, yeah, no, the coordination, everything. And with gymnastics, most of the time, it's always about the lower body. Right. Well, oh, that, yeah. you know, that's one thing I one thing I learned from uh, a guy that I trained with for a lot of years, one of my best friends, Mark Hansen, who's a, still a, a police officer in Davenport, Iowa here. But he was also an All-American lineman for Northern Iowa, University of Northern Iowa. And um, he, for years, he would tell me when we were doing, gosh, we were doing karate together and kickboxing and uh, before I even got into MMA, before it ever started, and, and he'd go, dude, you, you need to start doing Olympic lifts. You need to squat heavy. You need to do deadlifts. You need to do straight leg deadlifts. you got to start doing some cleans and build your freaking legs up, and you'd get stronger everywhere because of that. It radiates into your whole body. And when I finally started listening to him and doing it, it you know, he was right. You know, it, it made a huge difference. Oh yeah, you should see this kid that I I wrestled at the fundraiser for for my my high school. This kid is phenomenal. You talk about gymnastics. Um, he was an amateur wrestling gymnast, and he put out this video of a lot of his his bar his bar stuff. You know when they when they go from bar to bar, and um, in all of his, his multiple flips, uh, and just yeah, phenomenal, um, phenomenal athletes gymnasts are, um, but. That leads me to uh, my next shout-out I wanted to give. Uh, Kamal was uh, became very close with uh, Billy Wicks, 
who passed away last year. And uh, Billy or Pops, as we we call him, he 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 became kind of like a second father to me. And we did a we did a tribute uh, show to him um, with a guy we've had on the show a couple times who was who was just a young guy when I when I knew him. I, I know his dad, um, but you called one of these fights was um, Adam Dehart. Uh, oh, yeah, man. Adam oh, hell yeah, I remember Adam. He's a tough, tough dude, man. Oh, yeah, and, he, and he's his whole family. His dad's, his dad's a good wrestler, too. I knew more of his dad, but um, got to know him. He was he was young when I was uh, training over there. Um, and dude, he, was, he, was fighting, he was fighting a guy, I think that was a black belt or something in jiu-jitsu. The guy was really good. And uh, Adam mauled him. I mean, kicked his ass from the opening bell to the end. Oh, yeah. And that one of the things that Billy Wicks was always always taught us, and, and this was like a quote, is make the guy feel like he's drowning. And the only way he can get he can, he can get up is to, is, is you end it. You know, and, and then and Adam <laughs> took that, you know, mentality. Yeah, and, the, you know, the catch wrestlers old school catch wrestlers and the guys that were lucky enough to learn from them. I learned, I learned some, but didn't have many catch wrestlers surprisingly in Iowa that I could even find, um, you know, and, and I had to learn from books and stuff like that. And my first exposure to the old catches catch can wrestling was a, a United States Colonel gave me an old, uh, Earl Lederman how to book instructional from 1923. I believe it was, and uh, that was that was like my first exposure, God, over probably close to 20 years ago. Awesome. And uh, yeah, and, and uh, I saw that I started looking at this book and going, "Oh, this this is crazy!" And both these guys, Earl Lederman and his buddy that they took the pictures of doing the moves, both looked like I'm serious. Looked like they were on a very long list of steroids, but it was 1923. Look at a lot of those guys. You look at the physiques. Of those guys back then, and you're like, Cause, man, it's and they, they were, were all eating, natural. They were eating food um, that was grown in soil that uh, was not depleted of vitamins and minerals yet. You know what I mean? And they weren't eating processed garbage like everybody eats these days. Um, you know, it, it makes a huge difference. No pesticides. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's a, that's a huge, huge difference nutritionally. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I stumbled across Billy Wicks. Uh, I was uh, in, I was in North Carolina. Um, this goes back like 15 years ago. I was in North yeah. Carolina. Uh, I was I was uh, working up there. I was a regional manager for uh, a brewing company, and I stumbled across this place in Asheville where he it was called a uh, Western Carolina Combat Club, and it was only a five dollar mat fee to go work out there. And I had I had wrestled since I was in eighth grade. But I went in there just to work as a place to go and train and work out. And I didn't really know about catch wrestling back then, but um, got an opportunity you know, to learn from Pops and really become friend, become, just become great friends with them, too, over the years. I mean, God, we would sit there with Kamal for hours in his, in his house. Whenever Kamal would come here and we'd, we'd be doing clinics in uh, the Carolinas, he would always say, take me over to his house, take me over to his house. And Kamal would sit there with him for hours and he had this basement where he had his computer and he had um, he had the math set up and would, would have us go over stuff and he would sit there and watch videos and, and just tell stories. He had some, so many amazing, amazing stories uh, to tell. I bet, man. I bet. 
Yeah, it was just living history. It was great, great. And I'm going to send you a book, too. I, I did a book with Eric Paulson years ago called Rough and Tumble that uh, Billy Wicks wrote a foreword for it. Uh, it's it's a history book on uh, on a lot of the catch wrestling stuff. Ah, uh, that's cool, man. I'd love that. Yeah, I'll send you that. And I and I actually we were friends with Colin uh, Bennett. We were on his show recently, and you told a story about your uncle. Uh, your great uncle was actually a barnstormer that would go out into the car. A lot of people don't know what a barnstormer is. A barnstormer would be a guy that would make money going out to the carnivals and, and beating the hell out of um, the. Uh, the, the carnival fighters that were challenging folks from the crowd. Yeah, yeah. He um, he was on the 32 Olympic boxing team, knocked Joe Lewis down seven times in three rounds as amateurs, uh, fought uh, Maxi Rosenblum twice for the light heavyweight world championship, lost a decision once and had a draw once with Maxi, and both times the crowds rioted um, because my uncle kicked his ass and uh, the crowds were so pissed off that they rioted. And, uh, you know, the, the mob controlled boxing pretty much through and oh, yeah. through in those days. So so if you were a mob fighter, I mean, unless you got KO'd, you weren't going to lose a fight. So, um, And, yeah, he used to hone his skills. He'd go to carnivals and uh, carnival strongmen to do their feats of strength and then challenge people in the crowd to come up and wrestle them or fight them. And my uncle would, would knock the living shit out of him. He was, I guess, you know, I never obviously was able to see him do any of this stuff long before my time, but, uh, but, um, his brothers who my grandpa, um, when I was little told me about it and, and then people who were older in my family who remembered him and remembered those days, um, and all the stories in Southern Iowa of him going out because he ended up in the auto, uh, the auto factories in Detroit. And then the depression hit and, you know, started, he started boxing because of that. And they were fighting, as amateurs, before he turned pro, they were getting uh, gift certificates for food, um, and that's you know you, you think you know you 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 think how America is right now and how bad it could be, you oh, know, yeah. and that's you, you think back, you know, Max Bear, who was a badass, um, dude, everybody was tough then. Max Bear was a Jewish dude. Everybody oh, yeah. would kick your ass yeah. back then. It didn't matter. Absolutely, yeah, Matt, Max Bear. Uh, Max Bear, I can't recall that he didn't he didn't he kill didn't he kill somebody in the ring? I believe he did. And uh, my my uncle Myler, who was much much smaller than than Max Bear, they did um, a boxing match, and my uncle shouldn't have been fighting him. I mean, I can't remember what weight Max Bear was, but my uncle was 175 pounds. My great uncle, and uh, he got he got hurt pretty bad in that fight, and uh, he retired after that. Yeah, and that, you know, a little history with Max Bear. A lot of folks, it goes back a long time, not maybe not old enough to remember, but his son was actually one of the stars of Beverly Hillbillies. He was Jethro Bodine. Yeah, yeah, I forgot all about that. Yep, Max Bear, one of my favorite shows. You know, I, I don't know too much about current popular culture, but I know a lot of a lot of stuff, older stuff. Um, now, that was, I, that, was a, that was a great show. I love that. That was show. a great show. I we got. We we got a pond in the pool. Pond would be good for you. Yeah, the old cement pond. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, I first heard about your interest in politics back a couple of years ago. And one of the reasons I made that little faux pas earlier is um, I I called a fight for my buddy 
Rob McCraw's promotion. It's called Strike Off, and they, they run shows up in uh, up in Virginia in Fairfax. And uh, one night when I was up there, um, there was uh, I was having a couple drinks at the bar with Mike Kendall. He was a ring announcer on the show, and yeah. he's worked he's worked with you, um, I guess, a number of times, you know, with with Legacy. And uh, at least he maybe he's also said he was from Iowa, but he he was telling me all about your interest in politics and um, and how you rail against central banking. And 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 I'm as somebody I've talked we've talked on this show, uh, we despise the Federal Reserve. Uh, and our objective on this show is, is to open people's eyes to these real world topics, you know, and provide some entertainment. Um, so I wanted to get into this new show um, that you have called Conspiracy Farm uh, that I've really become addicted to. Um, tell everybody, how did that show come about? Um, you know, it's and it's it's the name of it is actually The Conspiracy Farm. You can find it on YouTube, iTunes, um, a couple other places. Um, Jeffrey Wilson, who's my co-host, heads up, you know, getting it out there and, and recording it and editing and everything else. He's, he's a hell of a lot brighter than I am. Um, but, uh, you know, it started really, I had wanted to do it for several years and just couldn't get it started. I, I didn't have anybody with the, with the know-how in terms of, you know, getting it going and, and stuff like that. And I didn't know how relatively easy it is to do a podcast and, um, my limited time and, everything else kind of attributed to the delay in getting it started. But um, it got started really just because I was so fed up with listening to mainstream media lie. And, and I get a witness. <laughs> I just said, you know, this has got to stop. You know, it's, it's got to stop. And, and so we started it, and, and Jeffrey is like-minded and a very bright guy, like I said, and, and we hit it off, and, we gel very well together and, and uh, have some great guests on, some very knowledgeable people. You know, one of our last guests, our last few guests, you know, one was Sonny Puzikas, who's a former Spetsnaz Special Forces guy from Russia originally, yep. a United States citizen now. And uh, he has seen some horrible, horrible things in his lifetime in terms of, of uh, terrorism and uh, some of the horrible things that have happened, you know, in the, selling, selling uh, body the, the stands region and Ch- Chechnya and places like that. And, you know, he his job was to go out and basically hunt down terrorists and kill them. And uh, he's a scary, scary dude, and, and he was a great guest. We also had a gentleman who was a Ph.D. Um, from from Oxford who is very well learned in, in the uh, – in the Nazis and Marxism and everything else and how it's basically it's alive and well and, and the propaganda that we're seeing on the media now, the separation of United States citizens and globally, uh, the citizens of the world, you know, uh, how they're pitting everybody against each other. This is an old, old tactic used by the Marxists to to basically conquer conquer citizens. And, it's, you know, we've had a ton of people like that, very high level, high high. Uh, high up and knowledgeable people in, in different realms of the world. Absolutely. And you know what? It, is, I was, everybody's got to listen to that because he talks in there about the, the actual selling of body parts and, and take out of, uh, of humans beings. Yeah, it, dude, he, and I, it, you know, this is not something that, that, uh, you know, the, 
when we did research on child sex trafficking alone for a, for that episode, uh, it was so sickening that, I mean, it was one of the darkest um, shows we had to do. But, you know, the truth has got to be out there. And this one, portions of it were even darker because Sonny uh, posted a video of, of terrorists basically uh, killing children and, and taking their organs out of them and stuff. And, and this stuff does go on. It, it went on in Kosovo. It goes on in Chechnya. Um, and it's going on in Syria right now. And, I'm, you know, and it makes you, if, if you were to see the video, um, and if everybody could see the video simultaneously, everyone would raise millions upon millions of dollars to just hire former Special Forces guys, Tier 1 operators, to go out and hunt these dudes down and kill all of them because it's, these are, are some evil, evil human beings. Absolutely. And, and you mentioned Syria, and I wanted to kind of get your take on this, because I, I was uh, I supported Donald Trump, and like you, I, I was a Rand Paul supporter initially. But the thing with me with with Rand Paul and libertarians, I'm more nationalist when it comes to immigration and trade, and that's why I yeah. really liked about Trump. Um, and uh, what did you think about what went down in in Syria? Well, I mean, obviously, there's there's a couple of very good reasons for, you know, for that war happening. If, if, if you're a globalist, um, one, the, the petrodollar being at risk with, with Bashar al-Assad saying he's not going to use the American dollar for his oil and that doesn't want us dollars in his system. Um, doesn't want the global banking, um, uh, monsters in, involved in his country at all. Um, there is no central bank in Syria and, uh, and also, you know, pipelines and things that, that they want to run through that country. And, uh, you know, so by any and all means, the globalists are going to um, arm and fund the people um, that are that are evil, that are bad, bad, bad people. And, you know, Americans don't, they can't grasp the fact that their media would lie to them on this subject. You know, there's pictures on the Internet that you can look up. They're not doctored. They're straight from CNN. When John McCain went over there to fund the free air finger quote free Syrian army, and in that meeting, in that meeting, plain as day, is uh, Baghdad, Baghdadi, who is eventually becomes the leader of ISIS. Um, and you know, between the uh, between a couple states, Saudi Arabia and and ourselves and and uh, the Brits and a few other countries. Um, Look, folks, your your tax dollars um, very easily could have been used to fund ISIS, and there's it's eventually going to come out. I'm not going to be the one that that spills the beans on everything, but there, there's a lot of drug running in the northeast corridor of the country um, between Quebec and and Boston, where heroin was coming in, and that money was also reportedly being used to fund ISIS. And um, you have to ask yourself, you know. Look, just being honest, over in the Middle East, those people don't know how to build a fucking gun. Can I cut no. on your show? Sorry. You're fine. Yeah. You're fine. Go with it. <laughs> yeah, they don't, they, they you know, uh, people in the Middle East don't know how to build a gun. They don't know how to manufacture stuff like that. They just don't. And 
you know, how does a 40 or 50,000 man army arm to suddenly just appear out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. Well, well, Hillary Clinton, you know, Hillary, six million dollars is missing from the State Department. Uh, you know, right, with the right. gun running, the whole gun running through Libya. I mean, that was uh, that's it, people don't know about that stuff. No, they don't. Right, Al Nusra, Boko Haram, Al Qaeda. You know, all of this stuff, dude. It's. I mean, you go back to World War One. The, the the Brits and MI6 um, were the were the guys that helped get Wahhabism going. The extremism in Saudi Arabia. They were the ones that got that shit started. So, you know, oh, yeah. Americans can't wrap their brains around the fact that they're that they're being lied to. They just mm -hmm. and I guess it's just in human nature. I've said it several times on my podcast. People are, you know, even a lot of these crazy liberals are kind people for the most part, right? They're they're not ev truly evil down to the core um, type of people. So people's brains. They they just don't compute the fact that someone could think in those that level of evil. They just don't. No, it's it, it's a group think mentality. Look at the college campuses. I mean, I, my daughter just turned sixteen. She'll be going to college in a couple of years, and I I don't know if they even really want her to go to a liberal arts college because you look at these college campuses. It's ridiculous the political correctness and the group think that it's it's horrible. Well, then, what, was yeah, the first, yeah, yeah. what was the first word to describe it? Liberal. There's your problem. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, well, it, 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 the whole thing with the speakers, and I want to get kind of get Pat's take on that, it, with the college campuses, if you're not an ultra-left speaker, they will, they will keep you off their campus. Look, this is, this is an old-used tool. Again, we're back to Marxism. Um, you know, to shut down any any free thinkers at all, any opposing views, this is, this is very, very scary stuff. And, um, you know, I, I probably, to be honest with you, I'm lucky to work at access TV, um, because I speak freely about this stuff. And, mm -hmm. you know, if I were an employee of, of, uh, of ABC or somebody like that, I probably wouldn't have a job very long. ESPN. And, you know, so yeah, I mean, ESPN, exactly. This is, you know, bought up by Disney and turned turned into a a, a joke. I oh, mean, yeah. they've got. Don't get me started with college, ESPN. It's, it's it's college frat and sorority members reporting pro sports to me. Mm -hmm. I, I just sit there and go, not a single person on my TV screen has competed in anything bigger than tiddlywinks, and they're talking to me about pro baseball and fighting and everything else. I just this is ridiculous. That's why my network's here. That's what, well, Brian, tell him, because he may not be familiar, um, that where we're, out, we're on here is Brian's network is, is called Arena Sports Network, and they broadcast a number, every sport you could you can imagine. Brian, tell him a little bit about the network, because, I mean, I, I only, even being personality on here, I don't know everything about it. Well, the current brand started in 2013, April of 2013, we broadcast a lot of high school and college sports. We do a lot of semi-pro sports coverage as well. But what we do is something ESPN, Fox, uh, NBC, and CBS Sports will not do. That's tell the truth about what's going on in the world of sports. Who did what, why, what happened. You know, the real the real sports talk. That's what we're highlighting here. Give me an example. An example. I, I did a show here on uh, the NFL and on the NFL being essentially 
of state-sponsored monopoly. Mm -hmm. People realize the NFL is tax-exempt. The NFL, their their stadiums are all paid for for tax dollars. A lot of people don't even know about the USFL. I mean, that's a conspiracy right there. The USFL won an antitrust lawsuit over the NFL and was awarded a few dollars. I had no idea. Yeah, that's an episode you, you, we can we can send that one to you. It's, I, it's something that I got turned on to because um, I, um, I I was working out with a guy who uh, was uh, used to play in the in the old USFL um, Govea, and um, we were gonna we we're gonna get him on the show, and he was telling me this whole thing. I didn't know anything about it. I, I honestly didn't, but I started reading on it. And they're literally like a state-sponsored monopoly. And they've gotten into mind control and politics, too, um, the NFL. The NFL is, is, the NFL is, is ridiculous. Yeah, I knew that they were tax-exempt, which makes them, obviously, uh, uh, easy, easy to manipulate and control and uh, to send out messages, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 and speaking of that, um, I know this is something I don't want to miss, Brian wants to get into um we had uh Khalib Starks on the show in season one he wrote the book Black Lives Matter which was an expose on the Black Lives Matter movement and George Soros funding that and then and the whole yeah. industrial complex uh, Brian I'm going to turn this kind of over to you so you and Pat can have some dialogue on that because I know this is uh, the issue you wanted to cover I said this a couple times on my show, Pat, and I really want to get your take on it because someone had made a post and I decided to respond, and my response was simple. How can black lives matter when they don't matter to black lives? The vitriol and the hatred I got from that statement alone, which basically says pull up your pull up your bootstrap and take care of business. Here's the problem. A lot of black people don't want to hear that. And they don't want to hear that their precious movement, Black Lives Matter, is actually funded by someone who ain't. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 scary. George Soros is a guy, and I, t- I was on the Andrew Wilkow show on Patriot Radio, and Andrew Wilkow is by far uh, miles ahead. Yeah, he's miles ahead of every other talk show host in terms of, in my mind, intellect, debate skills, facts. The guy is, is yeah. brilliant. And we were talking about the Black Lives. Yeah, we were talking about the Black Lives Matter movement. And you know, for me, I'm I'm a white guy, obviously, and I don't give a rat's ass about race. I mean, thank if, you. If, thank you. If, if I call some, if I call somebody out, it's because of stuff they're doing, not because of their race. If 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 I have a problem with somebody, um, it's because I I vehemently uh, disagree with their politics, with their morals, with whatever. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, people have fallen. People have fallen back onto this. You know, you're a bigot. You're this. You're that. You're a racist. Whatever. And I just don't care. I'm just not going to listen to it. Um, I don't care if I'm disliked by people for it. But you know, George Soros was a guy in his young life in Nazi Germany that was turning over his fellow Jews to the frickin' Nazis. Mm-hmm. And this is a guy who is a multi, multi, multi billionaire who has funneled money into numerous. Liberal, liberal organizations, moveon.org, and the list goes on and on and on. And his money is funding, you know, filtered through from, from Soros organization into all these places where then it's funneled into 
the people that went to the Trump rallies to call right. the the Black Lives Matter groups, all these Antifa, everything else that you're seeing right now. Look, none of this is happening by accident. No, right? it's not. It's, it's easy to manipulate. It's easy to manipulate people. What does a college kid have to bitch about? What would make a college kid go out and uh, break a bunch of windows and, and light a building on fire, right? Right. Um, these, it's... Dude, these people have not traveled the world. They have not seen the horrors that are out there. I've been all over the world. I've been in some really, really nasty places. And Americans have no clue of how bad it can get. And, and the Black Lives Matter situation is just, it's, it's sad, man. It's sad. And, and, you know, not only the minorities of this country, but also um, who are the biggest takers of unearned entitlements in this country are whites. Mm-hmm. Dude, this country is being turned into a dependent bunch of sloths with no no independence and no ability to take care of themselves and no thinking skills. None whatsoever. And this is why I am so against the movement. I cannot tell you, Pat and, and Matthew, so many times I have been questioned and have been asked to join the movement and I say and I say no. And whenever I say no and I tell them why and tell them how I feel, which is this, which was the question I posed earlier, how can black lives matter if they don't matter to black lives? I'm just in the process of getting myself together, getting myself back on my feet, and I am not going to support anybody, no matter what office they're trying to hold politically or what they're trying to do in our realm of sports talk if, if, if just because they're black. Hell, my favorite play-by-play announcer of all time is Jim Durham, and he's as white as they come. But Jim Durham got the job done for me. It was the voice of the Chicago Bulls for many years, uh, 18 years to be yeah. exact. I love turning on the radio back in the day and listening to listening to Jim Durham or guys like Wayne Larrabee, who have, who I've had the pleasure of meeting, or former White Sox voice John Rooney or Jack Buck or a couple of others. Okay. I'm not going to support anyone just by color alone. I'm going to support them because of what they do, how they're getting it done, and if there is meaning behind it. Period. Right. Well, that's that's the thing. When you when you see the state of California impose travel bans on its employees uh, for any functions going on in Texas and and other states that passed a law where uh, somebody who identifies as a female cannot go into female bathrooms. You got to go in the bathroom that your hardware designates. Um, it, it's it's a banana republic out there in California, and you talk about Looney Tunes. Uh, oh, yeah. How how oh, my Jerry God. Brown uh, became governor again out there tells you about the populace. And I had a good conversation with a black friend of mine, and I said uh, he was talking about it. He goes, "What's the big deal, man? If that's what they identify as." And I go, "All right, let me let me put it to you this way." I said, Rachel Dolezal, who mm-hmm. was uh, working for the NAACP oh, out in the Northwest, up in the Seattle area or Portland yep. or wherever it was, she was she was snowflake white, had red hair and freckles, um, got a spray tan, and dyed her hair black and gave herself a fro and ends up working at the NAACP and gets found out. And so I'm going to ask you this. Since you're off uh, in La La Land with these people, thinking it's okay to identify as somebody or not. How about if reparations were passed for descendants of slaves and suddenly money was being paid to those folks, does Rachel Dolezal qualify for reparation payments because she identifies as being black? And he looked at me and went, oh, shit. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
Oh, yeah. there I go. Now, now you understand what I'm talking about, dude. This is this is about enabling mental illness, and that's it. This is about turning society upside down. Yeah. And here's another issue that I've had. Uh, here's another issue I've had to deal with with some of these Black Lives Matter idiots. All right, and I said the word idiots because they're so zealous about the movement that they don't realize what's going on. Four years ago, I had the pleasure of welcoming a beautiful baby girl named Donna. She passed away in 2015. Because she was biracial, I got turned away from my family, my mother and my, my mother and my sister. All they kept saying was, "You need to have a paternity test done." I mean, isn't isn't one of the problems in this country that men aren't stepping up to be fathers? And yet here I am stepping up to be a father to a child that was not physically mine. I get laughed at. I get turned away, and I've had to deal with it alone for the better part of eighteen months. Yeah, wow, that's, that's that's awful, Brian. But well, Brian, I want to ask you this because when listening to this back, but I, I do you think, and I I think feel strongly that there's a a group mindset in the black community that if you don't think a certain way, if you don't support, uh, if you don't support the liberal agenda, if you, if you're an independent thinker, then you're completely ostracized. Uh, and I'll, and I'll give you a couple examples. Is, um, one was Herman Cain. You guys mm-hmm. remember Herman Cain? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he was taken down. Uh, but because the, he was he was a threat, you yep. know. Um, yep. The, it, it's almost like it's almost like and, and it's like they call it they they'll call you an Uncle Tom, like if you don't subscribe to a certain agenda, so you can't you can't think freely. Um, Brian, what do you think about that? Well, I guess I've been an Uncle Tom and a coon or whatever name they want to call me for years. Because I absolutely support thinking freely. You know, that's something my dad taught me and my grandpa taught me for the longest time. Think for yourself. Don't base your opinions on others. Think for yourself. That's the basis of me and that's the basis of what I do Monday through Fridays on on, the, on my morning show. Because there are people that are going to get called every name in the book because they don't think for themselves. There is absolutely an agenda, and it's being carried out. It's being system. It's systematically destroying the community as a whole, and I don't mean just the black community. It's systematically destroying the community and the country as a whole. That if you don't think along with the lib- with what the liberals are saying and doing, then you are completely ostracized. I think it's bullshit. That's why I don't subscribe to Black Lives Matter. I never will. And I don't subscribe to any kind of group, no matter what color or race or whatever, that does not allow a difference of opinion to be had. Yeah, because, I mean, the race hustlers are a real real thing. Like the Al Sharpton, they've been around forever. But this Black Lives Matter craziness is new. And I want to ask, Pat, what do you think the end game is with George Soros and with his Black Lives Matter movement. Well, it's the collapse of sovereign nations, dude. It's, it's um, you know, for people out there that have never read it, and it's, look, this, this letter has been debated for many, many years. Uh, people get very angry um, if, you, if you talk about it with certain people. Uh, named Albert Pike, who was a Confederate general, uh, many believe he was the one that uh, orchestrated Lincoln's assassination, um, he was given a pardon uh, 
a presidential pardon by Lincoln's successor, and uh, he had an IQ that was even higher than Einstein's. He was, he was a very, very smart man, um, but he was also connected connected uh, to the Illuminati back in, you know, um, in Europe and the global banking system, and he was the guy that helped assist um, the South in funding their war. They took out loans from the central bank as well as the North did, but Lincoln sold war bonds also to help pay for it, and, and Lincoln was totally against the central bank, and he talked about it, and he said, um, and I'll get to the letter in a second, but, you know, Lincoln said, you know, I have two enemies, the one standing in front of me, which is the Confederate Army, and the one standing behind me, which is the central bankers, and it's the ones behind me that I fear more. Um, you know, he ends up uh, with, a, with a bullet in the back of his head in a, in a theater. So, um, but but uh, Albert Pike wrote a letter to a gentleman named Mazzini, and it said, this is how the three world wars will be fomented. And if you look up Albert Google search images, Albert Pike, 1871 letter, and you read that. And I've known about this thing for uh, well over a decade. I read it at least a decade ago, um, which uh, many people say it was discovered after World War One. So you can throw out World War One, what it says, but um, you can't discount World War Two or World War Three. And all mm-hmm. the, basically, this has been mapped out. This has been mapped out for well over a century of how all this stuff would go down. And uh, it basically, in that letter, talks about uh, pitting religions against each other, the destruction of Christianity and the Muslim faith, mm-hmm. um, unleashing the nihilists, the, unleashing the nihilists and the atheists into society, which which is happening right before our eyes right now. Yep. And uh, and we see the destruction of the Middle East, and and then the releasing of millions of refugees, many of whom um, are are pretty dark people in terms of their um, their beliefs, and we're seeing that. Um, all, all manifest in Europe right now with all the attacks, and it's it's for a complete collapse, global collapse of, of sovereign nations, and uh, in my mind, um, total control eventually of everything. I, I think that um, you know they 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 want one world um, uh, currency, they want no borders, they want because global bankers and multinational corporations don't see borders anyway, right? They right. just see a globe that they want to control all the resources of. So while you and I and uh, you guys and I are thinking about putting our kids, figuring out how to put our kids through college, they, these people are preparing to, to secure all the resources of the globe for their kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's un- unbelievable. And when and it's it's pretty transparent when, when you look at it. And I wanted to co- cover a couple of points, and I definitely want to read that letter from Albert Pike. Uh, it's been going on for years, and you look at the billions of dollars that we give to Saudi Arabia, to Israel, and it's it's absolutely insane. When when then you look and you go back um, and you look at the origins of ISIS, like you talked about, uh, it's it's definitely manufactured. Oh yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, it just everything that you're seeing happen is happening for specific reasons. It is yep. not by accident. It is not. Is it, it, it just is not generated um, organically. You know, the the uh, the lies about just Benghazi alone. Um, those people should be and Susan Rice and Hillary Clinton and all of them um, who lied, standing in front of the caskets for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. Um, that yeah. it was a 
that it was because of a video on YouTube that oh, nobody God. had ever seen, and uh, and and that it was a, a demonstration gone awry where people went to the demonstration, obviously, you know, with RPGs and and uh, you know, AK-47s, and, and decided to attack our our uh, our facility there and, and and kill some people. It makes about as much sense as Assad gassing his own people. And that's another one that, you know, when you go back and you look at it, man, that makes absolutely no sense. And you go back to 2013, and it was proven that ISIS was was the culprit in that. Of 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 which thing you broke up when you when you oh, said I said, the topic. I said it makes about I said it makes about as much sense as Assad would actually gas his own people because if you go back to 2013, it was proven that ISIS was the culprit. Yeah, it was, well, there were, there were Al Nusra terrorists filmed putting, putting the, uh, putting the, uh, chemical, uh, weapon together. Yeah. So it made made absolutely no sense. And, And that was one of those things that when in the early part of, and it was more in the early part of the Trump presidency, that I kind of questioned, you know, being a Trump supporter, but you haven't seen anything. It could have been done, you know, because he let the Russians know that that was going on. Um, it could have been done basically just to a, just to appease certain elements of the, of the globalist elements. Right. Well, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, it's a setup. You know, you look at Saddam Hussein, he was attacked for doing that to his people. Um, you know, all, all the excuses they came up with, uh, with Gaddafi and, uh, you know, Gaddafi should, if, if he was responsible for, uh, Pan Am 103 over Lockerbie, Scotland forever ago when Reagan was president, they would have stayed after him and killed him, um, long before, before he got killed. Right. He, he, you know, he went with the, he went with creating the dinar, the gold, the gold coin and, uh, wanted that, that to replace, um, American dollar for his oil and he ends up dead quicker than you can blink an eye, you know? So it's, it's, it's all manufactured. It's, we can go on and on and on, on all of this stuff. And it's, it's so, I just always end up back at how people simply can't absorb what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of the reason they can't is because of the media from the very beginning uh, the Trump presidency, it's been a media sabotage. I, I do, I do the thing when I was at, I was at the gym and they, was, CNN was on, and I just took pictures and print screens of headlines for about an hour, and it, it was like it was like a it was like a Saturday Night Live comedy routine, man. Because you would think that it was a joke how biased they are. Yeah, no, it's it's. And I used to get in debates with liberal friends years ago and go, if you can't see the bias in, in, in the media, I don't know what to tell you. And they're like, no, they're not biased. They ushered in Bill Clinton and Barack Obama like they were the second coming. Mm-hmm. Trump, Trump, has, Trump has been hounded and pounded ever since he got in. And only because of one thing, because he is not, he does not want to go along with this globalist plan. Exactly. And, you know, Putin and he, Putin and he may not get along, but I guarantee they respect each other because they both hate the the, the globalists yep. and what they're doing to the world, and and love their countries and want their countries to remain sovereign. 
Yeah, and I love how Trump said it's a great thing that Putin is helping us and the Russians are helping us deal with ISIS. They're dealing with it. We don't I need know. to. See, here's the game that's going on, and I, I'm almost 100% sure. And some people say no, but look, um, you know, it gets reported in the media that uh, Trump um, attacks the the airbase where the chemical weapon strike was launched from, right? And but what what the media doesn't report really, they I think a, a couple mentioned it maybe in passing, but you know, the, this administration phoned ahead and said to the Russians, "Look, if you got anybody on this airbase." get them out of there, okay? And you know that the Russians said to the Syrians on the airbase, they said, hey, um, there's a few tomahawks on our way. You guys might want to be on these trucks. And they got everybody out of there. There were no casualties. They put some holes in some runways, and that was it. And then the next thing you hear about is uh, a Syrian fighter jet shot down, and then another uh, fighter jet shot down. Well, they were drones. They were weaponized drones. There was nobody flying them. Um, and they were flying towards and aggressively towards coalition forces, which means what the terrorists that we fund, I don't know who, but nonetheless, ultimately I think Trump's doing just enough to keep the globalists on the end of the line and yeah, think that he's kind of going along with stuff. Right. Yeah. Yep. He's just trying to appease them. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a great analysis. And I, I would definitely, I would agree with that. Uh, it, it, that makes sense logically, and like I said, when I, when I first heard when I first heard that news, it's kind of a little bit off-putting. But when you look deeper into it, that makes that makes the most sense. It really does. Um, yeah, and and you know, ISIS ISIS was on the run when the second chemical attack happened, when Assad got blamed for the second one, and you sit there and you go, dude, this is okay. They are really really desperate right now, the globalists, at trying to swing this thing and get everybody up in arms against Assad because that shit was so clear as day, um, not Assad, that it was a joke. And, and uh, watch how the media goes from um, Russia, Russia, Russia to something else. To something. They keep moving around, and they're, running out, they're just running out of ammo. And you know what comes last? And that's, that's basically an assassination attempt mm -hmm. or a successful assassination of Trump. I guarantee it. If they can't get him out, the meat, uh, Hillary Clinton failed. The media has failed. Um, the the uh, you know all the FBI and uh, Mueller are going to fail. They can't. If if they come up with some fake dossier uh, on Trump saying that he had something to do with with Russia or whatever, dude. If they try to impeach him, do you realize the civil war that's going to happen? If it's not oh, being absolutely. geared up to happen already. People almost have. People will almost have to watch alternative media at this point to get any of the news, though, that you're talking about. Because when you when you turn on any of the major news stations, particularly like CNN, uh, what you see the headlines that you see, it's all about this stupid nonsense, like you mentioned, um, you know, with Comey and all that bullshit, and it's, it's just, which was one bullshit piece after another on Trump. Yeah, and, and the fact the media won't report for a second that Mueller's hiring all attorneys, powerful attorneys, that donated to the Clinton campaign, they mm -hmm. donated to Obama's campaign, far-left liberals, and 
and Mueller's buddies with Obama, his buddies with Comey. This is, I have no idea how this is, is being allowed at all. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. And it's, it's a hit piece, so it's one after another. Now, are you concerned, though, at all um, with the sort of shift uh, in uh, Trump's confidence? Uh, in other words, with, with Bannon being moved out, and, and one that kind of concerns me a little bit is his son-in-law, uh, Jared Kirchner or Kuchner. Yeah, I'm not a fan of, of his son-in-law at all. Uh, big, big fan of, of Bannon, obviously. And, uh, you know, the, the again, we go back to with Bannon, who was underneath Breitbart, and Andrew Breitbart was the guy, if you've ever seen the YouTube video of him calling out Podesta, oh, yeah. when that reporter was talking to him, and he's, he's talking into the guy's microphone going, you know, what's in your closet, John Podesta? Why are you so scared? What's going on with you? And he knew that he was a, a part of this this sick ring or in his – and I'm telling you, the globalists are really, really scared right now that it's, it's, it's a race against time in my mind. They're trying to get out, get Trump out. All this stuff would have been covered up. If Hillary Clinton would have won the election, none of this shit would be going would on. would be going right? on right now. None of this stuff would be going on. It would all get swept under the rug. Nobody would ever learn about any of this stuff. And so the globalists are freaking out. A lot of, a lot of powerful people are about to go down, and they're, they're freaking out. They're desperate, and it shows in the media. It shows in the politicians. There's a lot of, lot of people, a lot of heads that are about to roll. Pat, do you think, because you mentioned Andrew Breitbart, so you don't have conspiracies, do you think that he might have been taken out? Well, I will say this. I mean, there are there are ways of giving people heart attacks. That's uh, you know there there is there's there's ways of getting it done. Um, there's ways of giving people cancer in a very short amount of time. You know, people that die um, quickly of of lung cancer. You know, it's uh, we had a lady on our show who was um, who was uh, Lee Harvey Oswald's uh, mistress in the CIA. And all of her documents prove who she was, the scientist she was working underneath. And she was a, a genius brought out of high school, straight out of high school into the CIA. And her job, her first job was to figure out how to give lab rats uh, lung cancer within a week. And she did it. And she, had all the, she has all the documentation and lab results, all, every paper. Um, she saved them all. And let, proves let that she... Let people know her name because I want to be, people to be able to I, hear that. You know what? Though. I... Off, offhand, I can't remember her name, to be honest with you, and I apologize. Um, and I probably would have remembered it easily had you, had you not asked, asked me. But um, people, can go, people can go back to one of our podcasts and listen to it. It was, I think, a year ago or whatever. But um, the, the thing about it is um, she found out why they had her doing that, and that was to give Fidel Castro uh, lung cancer. They wanted to put that, uh, that stuff in his cigars and uh, sneak it into his cigar so that he'd get lung cancer and be dead in a week. Wow. That's wow. crazy. And you, when you, you know, you go back to Castro and, and you look at, you look at our government and what they've done over the years and you, you look at the collusion with the mob to take Castro out and all that stuff. I mean, these conspiracies, I mean, my whole thing with conspiracies, I don't believe in, I don't believe in all of them. Like when I, I was born the Vietnam War, uh, was still was still going on. My dad's a Vietnam veteran, and the one, the first conspiracy that I ever learned about from my from my father was the Gulf of Tonkin, 
Yeah, there you go, talk about that. You know, and that was, you know, years ago when I was a boy growing up, and I didn't fully grasp it, you know, because we were coming off in the 70s, 70s and 80s, we were coming off that, um, coming off that war, and um, people forget that one. But I don't believe every conspiracy. This, there's one that kind of bothers me, um, because I'm from Connecticut. My mom was in this uh, school district. I lived in Newtown uh, when I was out of college um, for right. uh, for a year. The whole Newtown thing bothers me because it hits kind of close to home. Um, yeah, I know yeah. people that were involved in it. So I think conspiracies can be – there's a lot of legitimacy out there, but there's also a lot of bullshit. Well, and you wonder if those are, those are started to almost um, delegitimize the real conspiracies. Yep, exactly. Right? Keep people's balls, you know keep people's eye away. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it's, you know, oh, I, I've had people go, oh, so you believe that 9-11 was an implosion and that uh, Newtown never happened, right? I'm like, no, that's, no. I, I, I can differentiate between bullshit and what I can look up and study and research and say to myself, this is actually documented. And there's plenty of legitimate conspiracies out there um, that we don't need to even even talk about the bullshit ones. Um, and, and your show is a conspiracy farm. I have loved listening to it. Um, and we want to thank thank you for coming on the show. This has been awesome. And I want to ask Brian, Brian, I want to bring you in again. Um, any questions you have um, for Pat before we wrap this up? Hey, Pat, thank you for your insight on the subjects we talked about on the show and on Black Lives Matter. I'm going to definitely use a piece of this for my morning show. And, man, I just hope we have you on again, and I'd love to have you on my show as well. Yeah, I'd love to be on there. And, you know, keep speaking out and keep speaking the truth. Um, you know, the, the, the louder um, people go after you, the harder they go after you, the, the closer you are to the truth, and that's just the way it is. That's about that's about it. And I think I have the perfect yeah. song to take us out of here as we open this season. The King of Connecticut is back. We are back rolling again. And um, I'm feeling a little Steppenwolf because as this show and the rest of Arena Sports Network illustrate, we were born to be wild. We'll see you all in a bit. Well, thanks, Brian. Thank you, Pat. Thanks, guys.
Connecticut, Matt Granahan, host of The King's Court, telling you to go to the Amazon Kindle store and pick up a copy of my new book, Too Handsome for Hollywood, The World According to the Suntan Superman, with a foreword by the UFC Hall of Famer, Dan the Beast Severn. He's too handsome. He's too handsome for Hollywood. He's too sexy. He's too sexy for his own good. Yeah, yeah. $9.99. Pick it up today. Too handsome for Hollywood. The Amazon Kindle store. You'll be glad you did. Programming on Arena Sports Net is fueled by Cleaver Supplements. Hey folks, summer is approaching and it's time to get your body kick-started. With that in mind, reach for the supplements that will do just that. Cleaver Supplements. They provide natural supplements to help you lose weight, get stronger, and have greater workouts. All to propel you towards your summer body and mind goals. Visit cleaversupplements.com today and get on the best track to a healthier you. Cleaver Supplements. Pure supplements for when genetics are just not enough. <laughs> 